And I'm thankful for the opportunity God gives us to live by faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. And if God had revealed all of life to us, we would not have the opportunity to please Him. We've learned lessons from many men and women who have pleased God through faith. And again, last uh, time we, we talked about Moses, and we, we're continuing to follow the life of Moses tonight, and I believe that God wants us to increase our desire in our scope of faith. And one might ask how we do that. And, and yet God doesn't want us to have just moments of faith. You know, just here and there. He wants us to have a life of faith. Not just a few ups and downs, and mostly downs it seems, but uh, he wants us to have a life of faith. Now, uh, 21st century Christians, especially in America, it's easy for us to, to meet our own needs. Uh, I mean, you can, you can get a job if you, you need a job. People don't seem like they you know, have a motivation, but uh, with some grit, some determination, uh, I don't doubt that each one of us here tonight have all we can eat. We have a roof over our heads. Um, we have many creature comforts, you call them. You know, that, uh, that lazy boy chair you sit in and take a nap or whatever. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of comforts, a lot of things that we just really uh, can enjoy. And so a life of faith for, for American Christians is, uh, has boiled down to giving God a few leftovers many times. And uh, we have jam-packed lives, and, and then we ask God to be pleased with that. But God doesn't want just a few moments of faith. He wants us to live a life full of faith. So how much of our lives are made up of faith? What percentage of our existence is completely dependent upon God? Moses is a great example of a life of faith. Think about Moses, he placed all of his life in the care of God. He followed his word, he followed his will. And of course, he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes and he did some things that uh, God was not pleased with. But for the most part, we find that he was a man who lived a life of faith. Uh, and uh, he's a man who trusted God as we should. Now, we're going to look at three unshakable benefits of living a life of faith that cannot be obtained for a Christian anywhere else save only in faith in God. So, first of all, a life of faith guides you forward. A life of faith guides you forward. Give me an illustration here of a man, I don't know if you've ever heard of him before, but General James Doolittle. He was a, a brilliant pioneer of air power. He performed the first loop-the-loop -loop ever flown in an airplane. I suppose that was like going up and around and 
flying upside down for a little bit, right? Um, he calculated his maneuvers with confidence. He had the full knowledge of the limitations of man and the machine. Uh, he did not believe in flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, he promoted instrument flying. He helped develop an altimeter and a directional gyroscope. A key element was radio beacon that would provide the pilot with a signal showing exactly the place to land. So he didn't invent the airplane, but he sure made progress with it. And he, uh, he would practice with his instrument-only landings, um, usually at the airfield in Bhutan, uh, New Jersey, where the radar was developed. On September 24th, 1929, Long Island, New York, Doolittle went into the rear seat of his plane, covered it with a canvas hood, seated in the front seat, safety pilot Benjamin S. Kelsey, and I don't know if uh, that uh, uh, plane there was the picture I found of him doing that, so he's kind of in the, a different position there. But uh, Doolittle was at the controls, and he could not see where he was going. He flew completely by instrument. And during his 15-minute flight, he continued to hold his hands outside the cockpit, and he steered the plane through two 180-degree turns and back to the exact spot where he had taken off uh, at the airport. Now, even our lives as Christians is not a life of sight flying, is it? Remember what it says in 2 Corinthians 5-7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the main gauge on the Christian's instrument panel for guiding us forward. Notice what faith led Moses forward in. And we're looking at verse 27 here in chapter 11. By faith he forsook Egypt. We learn that faith led Moses to refuse being called an Egyptian. After the refusal, and that's what we were looking at last week of the refusal of faith. But after that refusal, Moses left Egypt in the past forever. Now in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the pri for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, too bad the rest of Israel didn't uh, do the same thing as Moses did. As we read in Numbers chapter 21, it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. You ever find yourself discouraged in the way that faith has guided you? Well, you're not the only one. The Israelites were discouraged, but their reaction was what? Murmuring, complaining, self-pity. 
Faith was leading them forward, trying to teach them to forsake the path, but Israel kept looking backward. The farther away something is, the more appealing it becomes. So we need to stop looking back. We begin to we need to face forward and step forward by faith. So forsake the past. Secondly, face the unknown. He goes on to say, For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses did not literally see God. No man has seen God and lived. But Moses was able to see God to do the impossible through faith. Faith begins where man's power ends. The sooner we come to the end of our own strength, the sooner we are able to live by faith. And we need to understand, faith triggers the eye of the mind. We're able to see with our heart and our mind what we could never see with our eyes. Can you think of the a man that was sick of the palsy in Mark chapter 2? He had four friends who saw the need for him to uh, come to Jesus despite of all the obstacles. In Mark 2 and verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And so faith allowed them to see a way. Moses saw a way through faith, and so can we. When life seems most difficult, God always has a way of strengthening us. So we have, first of all, a life of faith that guides you forward. Secondly, a life of faith guarantees your deliverance. It guarantees your deliverance. When God was ready to deliver Israel from Egypt, he sent ten terrible plagues, to remind Egypt of his power and his authority. In Exodus chapter 7, it says, But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine enemies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt, and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And because Moses lived through faith, Israel found deliverance. First of all, it was deliverance through bold obedience. Deliverance through bold obedience. It says here, through faith, he kept the Passover. Through faith, he kept the Passover. Now, for nine plagues, Pharaoh had defied God and not let the people go. So God decided to use the final plague to really prove who he was. And upon this final plague, God gave Israel some very specific instructions. Remember there in Exodus chapter 12, we'll read it here, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood, that is, in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts of the blood, with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door. Will not suffer the destroyer to come in into your house to smite you, and ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and thy sons forever." Very simple. If you obey God's commandments, you'll be delivered from the plague, he was saying. 
If you did not, you will not be delivered. And so they had a choice. And we know what's right, and we have a choice. We can either obey or we can disobey. Jeremiah 7, 23, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walking in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you unto you. Proverbs 13, 15, God, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Well, we want deliverance, but will we obey? And so, they delivered, or they were delivered through bold obedience. Secondly, they were delivered through a blood sacrifice. It goes on to say, and the sprinkling of blood. And the sprinkling of blood, verse 28. The blood was applied to the post of the door. It was the blood of the Passover lamb that saved the firstborn of the family. It was an innocent lamb's death that saved the lives of the family inside. And the Bible says we are sinners deserving of death. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet we have a Passover lamb. John 1.29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Why? Because the penalty of our sin, for our sin is death. And so sin requires a blood offering. Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Leviticus 17.11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. The story is told of a young woman who had accepted Jesus as her Savior, and the young woman had a very rough past, and it involved alcohol and drugs and even prostitution. But the change in her life was evident. As time went on, she became a faithful member of a church, and she eventually became involved in the ministry of teaching young children. It wasn't very long until this faithful young woman had caught the eye and the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew and they began to make wedding plans and this is when the problems began. You see, about half the church did not think that that woman with a past such as hers was suitable for the pastor's son. So they began to argue. They began to fight about the matter. Well, they decided to have a meeting. As the people made their arguments, the tensions increased and the meeting got completely out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all the things being brought up against her past, and she began to cry, and the pastor's son stood to speak. He could not bear the pain it was causing his wife-to-be. He began to speak, and this was his statement. My fiancé's past is not what's on trial here. What you're questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today, you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So does it wash away sin or not? Well, I think it was a very bold young man, and the whole, whole church became very quiet. And then they began to weep. 
as they realized they'd been slandering the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold for, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And through the blood offering of Jesus Christ that we're delivered from the wrath to come. So we have a life of faith that guides us forward. We have a life of faith that guarantees our deliverance. And then thirdly, a life of faith that gives the victory. A life of faith that gives the victory. It was Vance Havner who said, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. Now we could probably sum all that up in one word, victory. The victories that we experience in Jesus will come, uh, only come through a life lived by faith not by experiencing moments of faith, but a life of faith. The Israelites left Egypt. They came to the Red Sea, and there they hit a roadblock. But God, once again, sees them through by parting the sea for them. And you notice what kind of victory God can give. First of all, an extravagant victory. The Bible tells us here, in verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. God not only split the sea, but he dried the land that they walked on there. It was an extravagant victory. God can do anything, and oftentimes he does it extravagantly so that we can know he did it. You know, there's many other examples in the scripture. Joshua causing the sun to stand still when battling the Amorites. It wasn't really Joshua who caused it. It was God who did it. Joshua was involved there. But Samson defeated a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Peter preached and 3,000 were saved and baptized and added to the church. When you choose to live a life of faith, God can give you extravagant victories. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And then exclusive victories. It ends up here in verse 29, which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. The Bible says that the Israelites passed through God's provided way of escape. The Egyptians tried to do it as well, but they failed. Why? They didn't have faith in God. They did not serve the God of the Israelites. They had not exercised faith. And there are many seas that we see others pass through that we wish we could pass through. There are many victories that we see others win that we wish we could win as well. There are victories in the Christian life that only can be won through faith. Mark 9.29 says, And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Live by faith and you'll win exclusive victories. Are you satisfied in living a life cluttered up with just moments of victory here and there? 
Or do you desire to have a life of faith filled with faith? A life of faith will guide you forward. It will guarantee you deliverance. It will give you the victory. Let's pray. Father.